Hey, Sandy. Hey, Rob. What's that you're reading? Oh, this? It's the new book by award-winning real estate investor Quentin D'Souza, The Property Management Toolbox. It has all of the tools and systems for starting out as a new landlord and all of the resources to create less stress while expanding your rental portfolio. It is awesome. Wow, that sounds amazing. Where can I get one? Just go to www.theontariolandlordtoolbox.com. The Property Management Toolbox, a how-to guide for Ontario real estate investors and landlords. I'm going to order my copy right now. Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast, Episode 9. Hello and welcome to the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. We put this show together to inspire you and help you live the life that you want to live through the power of real estate investing. My name is Rob Brake and here with me again is Sandy McKay. How's it going, Sandy? Hey, Rob. It's going really good. Really pumped up about this show. As always, we've got a great guest with us here today, a good buddy of ours. And uh, yeah, we're really pumped up about this one. Yeah, Frank is a good friend and a very successful fix and flip investor in the area. And I was uh, really excited to have him on. It was a great interview and it's coming up very soon. But I guess we're going to talk about a few things here first. If you have a question or comment or uh, would like to write a little review for us or even leave a rating, you can do all that at iTunes and you can also leave a comment at breakthroughreipodcast.ca. Yeah, we'd love to hear uh, your guys' feedback, and um, certainly, you know, welcome any questions, comments, and you know, we'll bring it up on the show too if we uh, if we get some good questions. So, uh, and we have, uh, I think, a really, really valuable free gift to give away, don't we, over there, Sandy? For sure, yeah. Good, good, <laughs> good reminder there. We got to invite everyone to go download our free report, the Seven Freedom Activators that you can trigger in your property right now. It's something that's going to help you, any investor out there, with investing in real estate and just the simple ways to make your life a lot easier and you know more profitable. A ton of awesome free information in that guide. Yeah, we're giving it away for free. So go over there, breakthroughreipodcast.ca. Yeah, so go get that. And uh, we got a couple things to share before we get to the interview, I guess, don't we? Yeah, we're just going to discuss a few things going on with us. And I know you've got a, a fairly big announcement to make, so why don't you tell us a bit about that? Well, yeah, it's big for me. I don't know if people are going to be too excited about it yet, but I'm a, <laughs> I'm a realtor now with Keller Williams Real Estate. So that's pretty exciting for me. It's been a long time coming. Something you know I've been working hard at. It's a bit of a process, getting licensed and all that, but I'm really excited. I've been working... Alongside a guy uh, many of our listeners will probably know of because he's written two pretty successful books about Canadian real estate investing. Uh, he's written Fix and Flip, the Canadian how-to guide for buying, renovating, and selling property for fast profit. And uh, he co-authored that with uh, another one of our buddies, Ian Zabo. And I uh, wrote also another book called Investing in Rent-Home Property, a complete guide for Canadian real estate investors. And, uh, and his name is Mark Loeffler. 
So yeah, I've been working kind of with him lately and I've actually joined his team. A new team he's been putting together. So we're known as the Ontario Property Pros team. And uh, it's been really exciting getting to work with a guy like that, basically having him kind of as a mentor for me as a realtor. So yeah, really excited to be doing that. And uh, we're, you know, right now focusing mostly in Hamilton. So it's cool. It's, it's really exciting. I think it was a great move for you. And I'm really, uh, really happy that things are working out over there. I know they're going really well for you. So I wish you um, all the best success. And I know this even involves a move, moving out to that area from where you are now. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a big decision because we are, we're, Kate and I are moving out that way. We're a little bit too far to be driving that all the time. You know, we want to live in the area that we're going to be working in and investing our time and everything in. And uh, so, yeah, we decided we're moving over there pretty soon. And uh, yeah, it's, it's really fun because we're actually working mostly, mostly with investors, which is, which is really the, the main reason that I went that way. You know, I didn't want to just become a realtor to be a realtor. I wanted to do it in a way that's going to also help me grow as an investor. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty And you were telling it. me about some of the systems that he has in place and some of the marketing that he does. It all sounds really, really cool uh, and innovative. Not generally the way that most real estate uh, agents go about things. So it sounds like a really cool opportunity. And I know he's looking to expand uh, I believe he's looking to expand in a big way. And, uh, you know, it's pretty cool that you're getting in there right on the ground floor. Yeah, you know, we'll we'll have him on here on the show at some point for sure. And actually, we've already both, we both did a talk with him a few months back there at the Durham Real Estate Investors meeting in uh, Whitby. So we've both chatted with him about it before. But, uh, you know, we'll have him on here again and, and do a show with him because uh, he's definitely got a lot of uh, great stuff to share. Uh, yeah, very successful real estate investor. Yeah, and and you know we've we're on our ninth episode here, and there's just there's we sat down last week, right, and we made a little list, and we realized there's a so many great people we got to have on, um, and and he's certainly one that we uh, that we plan to have on here in the near future. Absolutely. So, uh, what have you been up to, Rob? Let's hear something. Let's hear some news. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I've. I've been doing a whole bunch of stuff, but one thing that sort of sticks out to me right now is uh, looking at purchasing a, a, a property to do a flip in Ajax. And I've been working on this for probably a good two months. I mean, I know you and I have talked about it, wouldn't it? It's probably been two months. I think even longer, maybe. It might. It might even be longer. I'll have to look at. <laughs> have to look back on my notes. So now we actually have a signed purchase agreement, but the problem is that the the woman who's living in the place right now had a rent-to-own contract with the owner of the property. And there's been all kinds of issues with the place while she's been living there. So it's gone to the uh, landlord-tenant board. So there's a lot of issues to work through here uh, in order to get the ball rolling. But we just this is something that our guest is going to mention. You know, You just jump in. Some other good advice is, you know, you just, if you're driving in the fog, then you can still get to where you're going. You just have to drive a little bit slower. So that's kind of what we're doing right now. Uh, just taking it one step at a time and we know where we're going and we know what the plan is, but it looks like it's going to be a lot, uh, quite the process to get us there. Cool. And so, uh, so what's going to be the outcome of that? You know, like what's, what's the goal at this place? 
Well, I know basically he just wants because uh, it, it's crazy. Okay, so this this woman that's living in there has basically gotten a rental contract with this guy at a certain price, and she's also negotiated somehow. The, the guy, um, so the seller is not very savvy, and she has negotiated this rental contract where one hundred percent of her rent goes towards the deposit of the house and there's no appreciation worked into the price. As a matter of fact, she is, is claiming uh, that he needs to lower the price because the value of the property is depreciated by, I believe her number is $28,000 that she's trying to get the board to. And I've spoken with this woman. She's saying that uh, she has a way of trying to get the seller to sell with that depreciation taken into account. I'm kind of on the outside looking in until we're able to legally close on this place. But it is a real interesting process that we're going through right now. And they had a hearing today, actually. And the outcome of that was her suits that she had against the owner have been thrown out. So that was good news. I was very, uh, very excited to hear about that. It's a win either way. Um, this is the I, – I talked him into getting a paralegal okay. where he was going to represent himself. I'd spoken with his lawyer, and his lawyer said, look, this guy cannot represent himself. He needs somebody in there to help him. So I did talk him into getting a paralegal. That was probably the best thing for him. So, yeah, the outcome of that was that her case was thrown out. So that was really good news, and now we can move on to the next step. So yeah, some of these uh, deals that you try and get, is private deals especially, they can be tricky sometimes, right? And the the process can take a long time. I mean, I know the one deal we that uh, Kate and I were working on at one point that we ended up wholesaling took us, you know, five six months from you know first point of contact to eventually putting pen to paper and doing a deal. Mm-hmm. Yes. And and how much do you learn in there? Oh yeah, tons. <laughs> You know? Well, that's just it. Like people might, I've had people ask me why I'm wasting my time right now. But I mean, I know that the outcome is going to be a deal on this one, and it may be taking me a lot of time and effort. But you know what? This guy needed help. He really did. Uh, this woman, <laughs> this woman was really taking advantage of him, as far as I can tell so far. Mm-hmm. So. It's usually the other way around. It's usually, oh, the big bad landlord is taking advantage of, of the tenant. But in this particular case, having just, having just heard that, you know, the case was thrown out, well, it doesn't, it shows you that it's not always the case. So. Yeah. It's crazy stuff. You know, the stuff you see out there is, is really wild sometimes. So, so we're going to talk about this probably next episode too. Might have a conclusion to it, right? Yeah, I'm hoping I do. I'd really like to. I'd really like to have <laughs> the deal closed by then. So, yeah, yeah let's. Uh, I'll keep. I'll keep you posted. Yeah, perfect. So it's about time we get into our interview here with uh, our guest Frank Janeski, and uh, he's got some really great stuff to share with us. He's going to tell you how to fix and flip real estate full time, and uh, he's also going to tell you why, as an investor, you should or should not get your realtor license. And there's a lot of uh, benefits to both sides of that, I think. And he's also going to be part of our new segment called the Realtor Joke of the Day. And 
And yeah, we'll see if that sticks or not. But we got a couple, <laughs> got a couple jokes in there for you today. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty good. Okay, so that's all coming your way here in our interview with uh, Frank Janeski. Here it is. I am very happy to introduce our guest today, my friend and successful fix and flip investor and also rookie agent of the year with Right at Home Realty, uh, Fidan Janeski, but I know him as Frank. So welcome, Frank, and thanks for being on the show tonight. Thank you for having me, Rob and Sandy. Um, I look forward to the interview. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Just uh, like I said, looking forward to this uh, interview. I'm kind of new to this whole uh, questionnaire thing, so I think we'll we'll have a good time. Well, I know that uh, from talking to you recently that business is good, so that's always good. You got a couple yeah. projects on the go right now, I think, don't you? Yeah, we have a few on the go. Uh, just wrapping one up um, actually this week, so things uh, things are pretty busy things popping up last minute and you know trying to wrap everything up trying to make it perfect is it's not the easiest thing but I, I love doing it so it's a fun time yeah it's, it's a very busy time so do you want to tell us a little bit about you and how you got into real estate investing sure i got into real estate investing about six years ago i bought my first duplex in whitby it was a legal yeah legal duplex which which was good to begin with because I kind of jumped on board right away. I didn't do much research as far as um, all the rules, uh, landlord and tenant board rules and the regulations. So I kind of jumped into that pretty quickly. At the time and right now, I'm also um, an active contractor and I kind of been doing that uh, full time throughout the last six years. The last couple of years, I started um, doing a lot of uh, big projects for, for real estate investors like like myself and you guys. And I kind of told myself, why should I be doing this for somebody else when I can kind of, you know, pick up a property myself, get into that, rather flip it, hold it, you know, go that route. So the last couple of years I've been, I've been doing that and it's been going well, enjoying it quite a bit. You know, it always surprises me that someone would, because I don't, I doubt it would take very long for a regular general contractor to realize, Hey, I could be doing this for myself. But a lot of them don't. They just gotta keep on just doing yeah. jobs for other people. And most of the guys that I do talk to, like my team, I kind of mention to them, guys, do this for yourself. You know, like pick up a property and renovate it. A lot of them, you know, it's kind of beat around the bush. They, they're, they're they want to do it, but it's something I don't know. I guess they're maybe um, fearful of, you know, jumping into because these guys have you know full time jobs. They concentrate on one trade usually you know electrical plumbing or whatever it is flooring and then for them to get involved with like a whole whole flip it's a little probably a little bit nerve-wracking so it, it's, it's a big step it's a big step and I, and I was pretty nervous to start you know my first one as well it's not an well, easy thing sure at first well i remember speaking with you a little while ago you told me it was kind of an interesting way that you built up your initial capital to get into the game do you want to talk about that yeah, yeah, if you're referring to uh, the online poker. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, I should have mentioned that. Yeah, um, I was actually a full-time online poker player. That was about um, eight years ago. I did that for about two years prior to uh, getting into real estate. And anyone that played poker back then, that knew what they were doing, you know, did their research, made pretty good money without getting into the financial you know, side of it. But people made quite a bit of money, to say the least just for playing um, online poker. 
so I, I did have, you know, some extra money. I was, first of all, I was single. I was living at home. They didn't have much expenses. So I ended up saving, you know, some money. And that's how the whole legal um, duplex came into play about that. I put a nice down payment on. And, you know, I was comfortable uh, with uh, with the mortgage payments and all the other expenses that were there. So, yeah, that, that was a bit of a bonus. I guess you can kind of say I kind of got lucky. But, yeah, that was... Uh, that was a good thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, Sandy, you were doing that for a while too, weren't you? <laughs> yeah, I was. So it's it's pretty funny that, that that's how you got into it. I played uh, online for probably close to two years as well, a year and a half, somewhere in that range. You know, when it was the real hot yeah. hot thing back then. It still is, I suppose, in some ways. But, you know, I was thinking the other day about just the mindset of that and it's kind of a similar mindset I think as in terms of flipping properties like do you think there's a bit of a similarity there in, in terms of like how much people are willing to risk um, oh, yeah. in terms of you know yep. comp- when comparing poker to maybe flip I mean it, for real estate of course there's a lot more be a lot more sure of yourself I think uh, well maybe maybe I'm wrong in that no but. I agree definitely I mean if you're no no if you're banking on a hand, though, I mean, I, I I think that you're more educated in your decision making with the with the property. But I suppose it could be wrong. I don't know. I guess you could flop out pretty big time on, well, a, on a flip too. But you're like saying the the similarities. You're absolutely right. Like first of all, I noticed the risk factor. I'm more capable of uh, you know taking a bit of a risk when it comes to a flip. Um, and poker, like any other game, well, poker is not like any other gambling. I shouldn't say that. But poker, you got to take risks, you know, for reward. And also it comes back to the thing where if you consistently make the right decisions, play, first of all, when you play poker every single day, you could be making the right decisions for an entire month straight. And at the end, you're going to, you're going to come out on top. Sure, you're going to have losing days, maybe a losing week, maybe even a losing month. But at the end of the year, if you, like I said, consistently make the right decision, and that goes for real estate as well. If you're, if you're making the right decisions as far as, you know, buying the property for, you know, a right price, good location, knowing how much your, you know, repairs are going to be, knowing how much you could sell for all that stuff. If you put, if you make right decisions, at the end, you're going to come out on top. That's what I've learned, like, in the last couple of years. There have been times where, you know, I broke even in real estate, and there's times where I've made some decent money as well. So that's, there's a lot of similarities to, uh, to the poker, poker and uh, real estate for sure. Yeah. And also, you know, it's like the comfort factor with, with taking risks, I think too, because you were mentioning earlier how maybe some people you, that work with you, you know, they're not quite comfortable or they're, they're nervous about taking that leap forward. Right. And I, I guess if you're, if you've been playing poker, if you're doing things like that, where you're kind of taking risks on a daily basis, it probably adds to that comfort level, right? Where you can actually you're not not as afraid to step into something and risk a bit of a bit of money, knowing that you're you're doing it well educated and the odds yeah. are heavily in your favor, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's that's actually why one of the like things that helped me out when I first uh, did my first flip. I you know obviously I did as much due diligence as I could. I educated myself and I felt comfortable. I'm like, okay, there is a slight chance that I could lose money on this, but I was in a position to you know to take that risk. Like I said, at the time, now I have, I should mention, I have a family, I have a wife, I have two kids. It would probably be a lot harder for me to, to jump into it the way I did back then. Mm-hmm. Like I said, back then I was single, live with my parents. I'll say that again. Mm-hmm. Um, I had no, no expenses really. So it was a little bit easier, I guess, but still, I think, you know, if you're really interested in it, you, you do your research, you should, you should be, you'll be fine. 
Mm-hmm. So uh, how how do you evaluate a potential deal? What are the things that you uh, look at? Well, like as Rob said, I, I also have my real estate license, which I find extremely helpful, and you know I use it to my advantage when when evaluating uh, deals. Obviously, I pull up comparables, do CMAs for myself. Mm-hmm. When I evaluate a deal, obviously the number one thing I look for is uh, the lo- location. Okay, that, that makes makes a huge um, huge impact on you know if I want to pick up the property or not. Um, I looked at properties where I could have got them, you know, at a a very good, like basically a very good deal, but the neighboring houses were a disaster. So you know, if I were to fix up the house nicely, the buyer, the potential buyers in the end might, might not get attracted to the house or because of the neighbors, basically. So I look for location, the number one thing. Also, what repairs need to be done, what what the houses are selling for afterwards, things along those lines, the, the basic stuff. Mm-hmm. And when you say CMA, do you want to just explain what that is? But yeah, it's a comparative market analysis. Um, it basically states what houses in the area have sold for, what are what are they selling for, um, what things have been done. Like I can check. It's just an MLS listing, and it says you know how many bedrooms, washrooms have they been updated, if basements are finished. Uh, basically, I'm looking for you know all the information I can possibly get, and what I plan to do to the house. So if I you know if I decide to do a basement apartment or you know I, I look for houses um, that have basement apartment apartments in it so it gives you a lot of lot of information and, and i'd like to also add that yeah if someone's debating if a real estate investor is debating to get their real estate license or not i would highly recommend it for someone that's flipping houses yeah it just, it's a can, big help you can analyze a deal better and you can also yeah. um save some money or make some pay yourself i guess in in, in ways right well, see, I have you guys, so that's basically the same thing, except for I just I don't have to do all the work. Yeah, that's that's another way of doing it. If you find yourself um, a solid real estate invest, um, a real estate uh, agent, that's that's another way to go for sure. But they didn't really work out for me. I had a couple of guys. Um, obviously, I'm not going to mention any names. They were actually friends of mine. Just didn't really care, to be honest with you. They didn't really care as much as I wanted them to, mm-hmm. and I felt like that was. Not push, not annoying them, but just you know, they they just didn't have any interest. So one day I said, you know what? I think it's just a good time for me to get the license, and it's it's been working out. And I, and the only reason I got it is honestly to my real my um, investing side. I'm not in it to you know do the whole marketing and networking thing. Just help out friends and family and other real estate investors. So yeah, we were talking about it at the beginning of the show, and uh, Sandy just got his real estate license as well too. Oh, did you? Yeah. So now he's in the ranks. Good to go. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit of a process. Yeah. But it's definitely, uh, yeah. I can already see the, you know, the benefits are there for sure as a, like particularly yeah. as an investor. There's, it's really helpful and just getting to know other people in the business better and things like that. It's just, it's just great to be in it full time, I guess. You know, I will yeah. say one thing. For whatever reason, there, there are a lot of potential sellers out there who are not fond of real estate agents. And that's one of the first questions that I'm asked when, when I get calls from my marketing. Generally, are you a real estate agent? They want to know right away because I'm pretty sure they're going to hang up the phone on me if I say yes. So, you know, I can see the bonuses for sure. But I mean, if you have a good real estate agent on your team, it's definitely someone you need on your team. There's benefits both ways, I, I think. And I've, I've really debated the whole, uh, idea myself too, but, Ultimately, I guess right now, 
sort of decided to leverage my my team, which is you guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a good idea too. Yeah, if it works for you, right? Why why go the extra mile of getting it? Like, I guess you can debate it all night, but you know, yeah, yeah. There's there's cons for each side, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and the thing about you know people don't like agents or whatever is this kind of similar to any sort of salesperson or marketing type of thing out there is that there's probably a few bad apples out there that sort of ruin the the outlook for more, most people and uh, certainly there's some bad realtors out there who who have probably screwed some people in the past and that makes a lot of people pissed off and people remember that so and you know yep. that kind of ruins it for some of the good ethical uh, realtors out there but what can you do about that I suppose. Yeah, and like I was saying, like you, you'll find that if you're, like you said, ethical and hardworking, you're gonna get, you're gonna get a lot of work, <laughs> Sandy. So, uh, yeah, when sure. Sandy, when Sandy and I were uh, putting together the overview for the show here, I had an idea of uh, a segment I like to call the real estate agent joke of the day. But then he went and uh, <laughs> he went and got his license, but kind of put a stop to that. <laughs> so. yeah. Yeah. Did you have one? Set up or no? <laughs> like a specific joke? Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that one, yeah. I like to hear all the jokes. That's okay. <laughs> all right. Well, the next uh, thing we were going to talk about is funding. So how, how exactly do you uh, – or how do you usually fund your deals, Frank? And maybe what are some other ways that, that you can potentially fund your deals? Okay. The last – well, the majority of the deals that I do um, is just conventional – funding through banks. I haven't done anything too large yet where I needed anything, you know, significant. I've sold a couple of my properties in the past. I've at one time I had four duplexes in Whidbey. Um, and then thinking long term, I knew that I would need some, you know, some capital, some money to use towards flips. And I sold two of my duplexes for that. I sold my other one to buy my principal residence. That's on the side. But I haven't done any um to be honest with you, creative funding. I have reached out to a couple of my uh, family members who've, who I've talked to about, you know, flipping and they've been, seemed really, really interested. And they've, they've been very uh, supportive of that. They've helped me out in a couple of deals. But as far as, you know, doing joint ventures and maybe hard money, hard money loans, I haven't gone that route yet. It's just conventional loans. Where do you find your deals? Deals, um, I, the most of my deals I've found from wholesalers, including yourself, Rob. I found some really good deals through, uh, through you specifically. Um, I have found deals on MLS. Um, I have found deals through friends who know, you know, that I'm in the game of, um, in the game, in the business of, um, you know, flipping houses. They know what I do. I, I offer a bit of a referral fee. So I've had friends give me potential deals as well. So, you know, MLS, wholesalers, friends and family, I would say. So when, you, when you're finding them on MLS, are you finding expired listings? Are you finding, um, like, is there anything special about them or, or like estate sales? What, what's going on with the ones you're finding on MLS? And then, yeah, the ones on MLS that I look for are mainly um, power sales, estate sales like you mentioned, yes. And um Houses that need um, extensive renovations, like they have, you know, your handyman specials and needs extensive work. The problem with those is there are tons, tons of guys in the same boat as tons of real estate investors that that are out there, like within minutes of the house being listed on MLS. Mm -hmm. And 
lately it's been it's been really really hot uh, multiple bids way over asking so like you really really got to be specific when you do your like estimate for repairs and you know your CMAs like you got to be like extremely quick so MLS is a bit tough because you got to do everything really really quick you got to have your financing in place the banks won't look, usually won't look at a deal unless it's firm like no financing no inspection so yeah those are kind of hard to do but there's there's always good deals out there. Um, I've been outbid actually three times in the last two months on um, on deals in Oshawa. So, mm-hmm. and I know like one of the things that I like uh, <laughs> is I'll bring you my deals first, and of course I'm not trying to have anyone bid up the the deal. It's just first come first serve with me, and I and you're a great buyer, so I, I bring all of mine to you first too. So. No, I, I appreciate uh, that. that. Yeah. Well, well, that's, that's another. If you're, if you're looking for private deals and stuff, you don't want to be messing around, right? You want to know that you're good to go, and because because that it will create the relationship that you guys have right there. Well, he's not. You're not competing with anyone for those properties. There's just if you want it, you get it. If you don't want it, then you pass on it. Yeah, and we've been through like both scenarios where, yeah, you, know, you gave me properties. We I've closed really quickly we've we've seen other properties where you know it's it, it wouldn't really work we have a good relationship and that's you know it's it's hard to find in uh, real estate because because like you mentioned a lot of guys are kind of looking which i mean it's not a bad thing but again they're kind of looking to get you know the highest amount that they could possibly get but it could screw up the deal for them someone might not be prepared they might want to get a discount later. Just a lot of things could, a lot of wrong things could happen. In the- well, it's, I've run into wholesalers or guys who are trying to start wholesaling, and they thought that they were just going to find deals on MLS for people. Uh, I, I really don't understand that mentality. You remember that guy, Sandy? Yeah, um, I remember a few guys like that. I think. Yeah, I, I <laughs> yeah. don't understand their value. Like, uh, real. I had a guy like that too. Yeah, that's odd. A wholesaler called me and he said at the end, and he's like, "Oh, by the way, you know, I'm, I'm finding these deals on MLS." Yeah. And I was like, whoa, like we spoke for like 20 minutes, half an hour about, you know, how she would find me all these properties. And at the end, he just said, I'm, I'm finding it on MLS. And I was, you know, I didn't say anything to him. I just thought that was kind of weird. But It's weird. Mm-hmm. I think the only way, because I will say the, uh, the very start when, or very near the start when, uh, when I was doing some wholesaling is we actually had a property under contract that was on MLS and it was uh, listed at 3.30, and it had been listed for months. So it's not like we just got it. It was out there for a while. And we had it, got it under contract at 2.70 or 2.80, I believe. So quite a significant discount there. And I think that's really the only way you could do that, really, is if you're getting a, a really good discount that other people wouldn't even really think is possible. Yeah. Cause in, and in that case, the guy who ended up buying that, Ended up putting in, you know, fifty or sixty grand, and he sold it for about four twenty or four thirty. He made a good. So what you're saying is actually get the deal under contract, though, too. Well, yeah, I I think. See, it's hard because if an MLS deal, you can only, you know, you you're only going to get a week, ten days, maybe fourteen days for your conditions, right? So it's tough, but. Well, I mean, if you can't find a buyer, ten ten days, then you basically don't have a deal anyway. So, well, I guess. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well. <laughs> oh wait, wait. Before we go here, what does a real estate agent use for birth control? <laughs> <laughs> What's that? What? He uses his personality. 
Oh boy! <laughs> oh man, everyone knocks on real estate. There's the joke of the day. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> um, so how do you estimate repairs? I know you're you're a certified home inspector as well, aren't you? I yes, I am. I got I did the whole. What was it? I believe it was about a month a month course up in um, Hasbury. It's on the tip of my tongue. It, it was far. I did the whole thing with Internachi, I believe it was, or um, yes, it was a while ago. So, anyways, I have my certificate, and to be honest with you, it's it was very it, it's very tough to uh, to be a real estate investor and an inspector as well. I kind of had to choose one. I had a good idea of basically every component of the house before I got my um, electrical and uh, my, before I got my um, inspection certificate. So that was kind of honestly. Not the best thing I did, uh, but it was a good learning experience. To say that it helped me on like, to estimate repairs and stuff, I'd be I'd be lying. So <laughs> the thing that helped that has helped me the most is uh, being a contractor and being you know part of the whole process for the last ten years or so. So that's the way that I do the estimates is basically comb through the house, decide on what you know what needs to be replaced, how much is it going to cost, what I'm going to do myself, what I'm going to hire out. And things along those lines. So, do you have like a book with like you're checking off things and writing down repairs, or do you just kind of go in, look at everything, eye it up, go out and write down an estimate after? Yeah, initially, like say the first time I go into a house is usually I just walk through, maybe take some pictures of stuff that I, you know, I want to know that I want to keep on file, and then you know if if I decide that it's something that I want to go forward with, I will come back and I will usually, not all the time. I've I've been through properties where I've only done an initial walkthrough. I'll just walk through it. Mm-hmm. I'll look through it. And there's other times where I, like you said, just write write stuff down, jot everything down. I, I know it's highly recommended to do that, but like I said, I I do this for a living, so I have a pretty good idea of you know what needs to be done, you know, for the flip, for the end result. So mm-hmm. I'd say it's about fifty fifty as far as you know, taking just a walkthrough and then just writing everything down that needs to be done. Okay. So is it all a numbers game? Like I know the last one that um, the last deal that you got from me, the the place had baseboard heat in it when you walked through, and you you went through the whole process of putting in the forced air gas furnace in and putting all the ductwork in. Now, yep. would that have made or broken the deal, or would you have just went through? And if the numbers didn't work out, would you have bought it anyway and then just dealt with the baseboard heat or like? I guess I'm just curious because, I mean, that's a big undertaking, right? So how do you – there's all of these unforeseen – well, not unforeseen, but there's all of these big issues. How do you decide on those types of things? Okay, well, that specific property, um, like you said, it it did have the baseboards. And nowadays, you know, if you're flipping a house and you're leaving the baseboards in, like people are going to be like, what is this guy doing? Like, How is he – you know, flipping, like changing everything and then leaving the baseboards. Um, it, they're very expensive to, to heat the house. So, again, that specific property, I called my guys, my, my HVAC guys that I've been working with for the last little while. I explained everything to them. They gave me an approximate figure of what it would cost. I worked that into my total. Uh, and it, basically, I wouldn't have taken on that house if if the numbers didn't work for me. To put that in? If, if I... If to put the furnace and um, air conditioning in, there's no way because 
you know, you're putting all the time and effort and money, and then at the end, again, people are definitely going to feel like, what, like, why did you not, you know, change the, the furnace and air conditioning? At least that's what I would, I would think. So, then I would have, I would have definitely passed. Yeah. So does that go for every place, or, or like, would you, or was it just that specific one in that area? I mean, you knew that it wouldn't work without the uh, forced air gas, or right. is it everyone I, right across the board? It it probably wouldn't be everyone. I've done properties where I've left baseboards in. Um, if there's smaller properties, like say uh, townhouses or you know something, a row townhouse, but something really small, uh, maybe like under a thousand square feet. If it doesn't lead, if it doesn't need too much repairs, I have left baseboards in before. People have asked questions, but in the end, it has sold. It kind of left me with not the best feeling, where you know people are asking a lot of questions where. You, know, you did everything so nice. Everything is great. Why wouldn't you just replace the baseboards? Hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna put in a furnace and air conditioning. The house did sell eventually, obviously. At a good, I got a good price. But going forward with that, you know, the next properties that I did in that situation, I, I told myself, you know, to have peace of mind and obviously get to get more value. Like I should mention, you're gonna get a lot more value if you add in the furnace and air conditioning compared to leaving it just in baseboards. Like you're gonna get the money you put in double that if you decide to put that in. So, and then I guess it sort of goes hand in hand with estimating the repairs. Do you price your flips lower than the retail market at the time to sell them, or do you place them right where right along with everything else? No, How do you no, I, I price, price them pretty conservative. I again going back to the comparative market analysis and all that. I, I you know I find just below the median. I, I, you know, you can't really go too much over. You got to be really, you got to be pretty strict when it comes to, you know, the, the end, um, end number that you're that you're shooting for. Obviously, anything you know over that is uh, is a bonus. So I, I'm pretty strict when it comes to the final number. Yeah, because you don't want to have it. The last thing you want to do is have it sitting there for any length of time, right? Yeah, like the carrying costs and all that stuff. Yeah, it, it adds up very quickly. Which, sure you guys know so it's it's pretty conservative at the end yeah so i think that was an important point you're making too about the baseboards and that too was um and you know tell me if i'm wrong but i I think it's good to go into a flip maybe thinking about your um, potential buyer and what they're going to be thinking of the property right at the end and and if your buyer in that area wants forced air they don't want baseboard heating you got to get it out of there right I think it all depends oh, on the area, right? And what and what your vision of that buyer is going to be, and what they're what they what they need and what they want in a property, right? That's exactly right. Like the one property that I do, that I decided to leave the baseboards in, um, it was in a community, like in a, a retirement community, and I would say about ninety percent of the homes had baseboards. So it wasn't something that you know people. I, I thought people would be asking too much questions about, and right. you know, it, it was just that area, but. The, the the property that Rob was talking about, I would say, ninety percent of the houses did have furnaces and um, air conditioning. So I couldn't I couldn't leave that as well. So yeah, you definitely got to look for your potential buyer and what they're looking for for sure. Yeah. So what is most important, do you think, to uh, in general to like the retail buyers? Is it things like furnaces and and air conditioning? You know, all the HVAC stuff. Is it mm-hmm. is it more roof, windows, foundation? That structural sort of things or are, or is it just uh you know cosmetic appeal of the property 
from my experience, and I would probably say from a, like a lot of the flippers would probably agree with me as well. It's it's definitely the structural. People are going in and looking at right away. They're they're looking at windows if they've been done, the roof. Um, they're going in and you know looking at the floors. The majority of the floors have been done. I think well that's not structural obviously, but it's it's a big component. It's not really cosmetic. Um, and they're always asking about you know how old is the furnace and air conditioning. So okay. by far the structural is 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 a biggie. And um, and then in terms of that too. Which one increases value most? Like, so structural is really important um, uh-huh. for sure because that's yeah. If your foundation's all messed up, obviously that's going to be pretty yep. uh, pretty yeah. negative for most of the buyers. But well, <laughs> what's going to increase the value more? Is it going to be you know if you if you need to fix the foundation, is that really going to increase the value much or like? How do you look well, at I mean, those? Well, let's use windows for an example. Like, what if you got some older windows? They don't look great, but they're still okay. Uh, is that right. the kind of thing that's going to increase the value? Probably well, not, like right? Well, like you, like you were saying, like if, if there's a foundation problem, you know, and then the windows are older, um, you're definitely doing the foundation because, again, yeah. it comes back to the whole mold thing and – the mold issues. So it, it depends. It depends what needs the most work. Um, if you have an old, like an older furnace, say 15 to 20 years old, again, it's still running fine. Uh, maybe it's not high efficient, but then you have, you know, crack windows that are leaking and are like a leaking roof. You're gonna wanna, you're gonna wanna take care of those things first. You gotta kind of prioritize. If everything is kind of on the same level, like if everything's old, but it's, it's yeah. Okay. Let's say there's let's say there's no like there, there's no you know, right. air leaking through, there's no water coming through, anything like that. But we're just right. t- sort of talking about the kind of repairs that will increase the value of the home. Like, it, it's not going to be the windows. It's going to be, like, the new kitchen, right? Absolutely. Kitchen and washrooms create a lot of value, for sure. Those are the two big things. If you're doing, if you're going to be renovating anything, put in, a, you know, put in a nice kitchen and renovate the washrooms. The reason is um, people... Obviously, you know, when they buy a house, they don't want to be taking on bigger projects themselves. A kitchen and washrooms are, you know, bigger projects. So they want to come in to a nice washroom, a nice kitchen. They don't have to worry about. If they got to fix the roof, you know, that can be done, you know, on the outside. They don't really have to get too – obviously, it's an expensive, you know, repair, but they don't really have to get too involved. It's not going to affect their everyday living compared to someone being in your house, you know, doing the washroom for about a week or, you know, a little bit more even for the kitchen. So kitchen and washrooms inside for sure. No questions. <laughs> yeah. I guess it's a balancing act. Have you ever worked you ever worked on a flip where you've left something that you felt should be done just because the numbers didn't work out? You, or or have you gone for a cosmetic uh, improvement over sort of a some kind of structural improvement just because you knew that that would increase the value more and the budget didn't allow for the other one to be done, that kind of thing? or Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, that's, that's a good question because the last property we ended up doing, um, the numbers, like I was on my budget and we still had to do the floors, all the floors in the house. Uh, we initially had hardwood, planned for to do hardwood. Didn't work out. We, we ended up putting in um, carpet. Obviously, hardwood adds a lot more value but carpet is a lot cheaper, and it worked out okay. It was something that you know I didn't want to do. I I I hate, I hate carpet like with a passion, mm-hmm. um, but I still I still had to do it um, in the end. 
So yeah, it's like it's exactly what you said. You gotta kind of balance things out at the end and do what's best for the for the bottom number. Mm-hmm. And that's. Do you think that that hurt your your selling price? I mean, we could have got definitely could have got a little bit more for the hardwood, absolutely. But weighing weighing it out compared to you know what we could have got compared to going over my budget, spending a little bit more time. And then, because I actually do the hardwood myself, um, I do most of the flooring except for carpet uh, myself, it kind of weighed out in that way. Um, but again, we could have got a little bit more for the hardwood for sure in the end. Okay. Now, I guess, is there any tricks of the trade that can help someone save money? Like what areas can somebody, I don't know, not cut corners, but maybe, maybe I mean, utilize some uh, imagination instead of money? The things that I've learned, like from the last several years of you know doing flips, is I take everything hands-on. I'm very involved in the process. Uh, like I said, I, I would consider myself a very part-time realtor and a full-time contractor and real estate flipper. I choose to do one thing, and you know, like I do all the flooring and the painting and, and all my properties. So this way, I mean, as far as a tip and a trick to save some money, I would I would tell somebody to possibly get good at something. If it's either painting or selling trim or whatever it may be, you will save a lot of money. You will learn. You will learn a lot. You know, go that way. As far as adding value, and there's there's not much that I can kind of offer except for find yourself a good team, guys that you can um, you can trust. Uh, that's one of the biggest things that I've I've learned that has helped me a lot. Um, guys that I don't have to babysit. I just tell them my game plan. I let them go to the house, do what they got to do, and that's about it. And it's taken me several year, years to do this. Um, I've made lots of mistakes in the past by hiring, you know, the, the cheapest guys and um, guys that I just, for the first time that I've used on, on bigger projects, like doing an entire kitchen. So basically get a lot of referrals. It, it'll save you money in the end for sure. Well, that's an important point there too, is making mistakes and stuff. Cause we talk about that a lot. Pretty much all of our guests, Rob, I think, are, have mentioned something along that lines. Is just you know you're gonna make mistakes anyway, so oh, yeah. you know oh, yeah. you just gotta go for it and 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 learn as you go and educate yourself as much as you can. But just don't be scared of making the mistakes. You gotta jump in at some point, and, and you're gonna make mistakes no matter how skilled and educated you are and and, and all that. So I think that's an important point too. Yeah, yeah. Like, sorry, I, I know some of the guys that I talked to there. They have the mindset of that everything is going to go perfect when they do these flips. But I've I've talked to guys that have gotten involved in it. It's kind of gone not so good. They think everything just goes you know on schedule, and yeah. all the guys they hire will do what they say they'll do. They won't ask for more money, and then that they'll do a per. It just it doesn't work like that. And I tell them it's okay. Like it's it's fine. Just you know learn learn from it. Exactly what you said. So it's definitely a learning learning thing. You've already kind of touched on this, but how involved are you in the process? Yeah, I'm very, very involved. I, I'm in there pretty much. Like I said, I, I, I have a team that I've, I've worked with for the last, um, I would say, at least two years. I haven't hired anybody new for anything big for the last couple of years. So I have an electrician, plumber, HVAC guys, um, roofers, window guys, like pretty much everything that I've worked with for a very long time. Like I said, I'm not the type of guy to, um, you know, sit over someone's shoulder and, you know, kind of look at what they're doing. But I really like to be, you know, on the job job site most of the time, tying loose ends. There's always things that need to be done. So 
I'm, I'm pretty, I'm very, very involved. I don't hire a general contractor to, you know, take on the project myself. I like to do everything hands on for sure. But you also mentioned that you're like, you're doing all of the painting. You never hire painters. Um, it, most of the time I do all of the painting myself. It, it depends on the project. It depends on the budget. It depends, you know, it depends on the house. If it's just a cosmetic flip, if I have other things going on, I might decide to get someone to, um, you know, paint for me. If it's a big, you know, big, big project where I have to get a ton of different trades in, absolutely. I'll, I'll do the flooring myself. I'll do, you know, the painting myself, which in the end, you know, obviously you have to, to put in your time at the end. You still got to calculate what, you know, what you're, what you would charge for that and add that onto the, you know, the final number. But again, it's, it's still beneficial, right? I would, so, I would, I would not recommend that for most people. I think that, I mean, I, I've, I've seen your deals and for the most part, you don't need to be in there doing those things. You're doing, you're in there because that's what you like to do. That's where you want to be. And you probably wouldn't choose to be anywhere else if you had the choice, which you do. So I guess, I guess. Well, you know what? I hear that a lot. I hear that from neighbors. I hear that from neighbors that the houses were working on. Even the guys that I work with, like, why are you, why are you here? Like, you don't need to be here. Just, you know, get people to do the stuff for you. But like I said, um, I like to be involved. I, I, I wake up right away in the morning, ready to go. I like, I enjoy doing it. It's exactly what you said. I, I rather not do anything else but that. So it's, it's, it's just a bonus for me, right? Yeah. It, it also helps at the end, you know, the, the final number, obviously, but there's guys out there, which I'm sure you guys have spoken to before. They, you know, they hire everything out, which is totally fine. I'm, I'm, I'm not against that at all, obviously. But I just like, I, I like to be involved. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I mean, let, let's talk specifically about me for a second. I, uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty good at demolition. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, aside, aside from that, my, my uh, skills lie maybe on the phone, or. <laughs> Or, um, you know, I can, I, I have a good vision and I can calculate costs and, uh, and I can organize the job. But man, sometimes when I, when I start trying to do work, I just wonder why the heck I would even dream of doing it. Because a lot of times I, I, I'm, I'm half decently handy, but a lot of times I take on too much myself. And I think I've learned that over the last little while here is that I'm more than likely better off just having somebody else do it, the professional, and uh, and sticking to what I'm really good at. Yeah, no, that makes sense for sure. But it comes back to where, you know, I have been a contractor, you know, for the yeah. last while. Um, so I, I'm very comfortable doing the flooring um, and the painting. Um, what I found that something um, that I've done actually the last couple of years is concentrate on a specific thing with a professional, kind of work with them, almost for nothing, but for them to teach me the trade. For example, the last couple of years, I've been working with a guy that does my trim. And I told him, listen, I'm very interested in doing trim, not to take away your job, but just I have a lot of interest in, you know, I think it looks really nice in the end. Do you mind teaching that to me? So for the last couple of years here and there, he's been teaching me. Um, I've been taking that on. And, you know, when he's busy, I kind of do it myself. Lately, I've been doing the same thing with ducks. I've been learning how to do ducks um, with a professional. Um, and that's not to say that I'm taking all that on myself. It's just I enjoy doing it. Again, it goes back to liking what you do. 
Mm-hmm. Well, I just want everyone to be clear that we're not necessarily so, yeah. in, like most flips would be a gigantic disaster if the if the person who was running it, the person mm-hmm. who was doing the flip, was actually in there doing the work. Yeah, no. If you try to do it all yourself, like there's, it's very tough for sure to say the least. You're not gonna, yeah. Especially if you're just getting into it, I would highly recommend not doing that. Uh, I would give up on day one. I would, I would step foot yeah. in there and I would just be like, oh my God, what, <laughs> what do yeah, I start? It's always really overwhelming, you know, when you first start doing it, for sure. There's there's so much that needs to be done, right? So yeah. nothing goes as schedule, first of all. Not, you know, guys are always usually a little late, but again, it's it's part of the whole flipping thing. You know, you just or gotta, some don't show up. Yeah, uh, yeah. that's always fun. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to I've thank you again because when I did my the flip over just around the corner here from my place, very first one, I hired a general contractor at first and, you know, I was all excited, get going. I was going to work alongside of him and learn everything like you were saying. And he didn't show up for the first three days. So I called you and I said, you know, I'm thinking about firing this guy. What do you think? And you're like, fire him. I'll, I'll walk you through it. So that's exactly what I did, and and I mean that scared the that scared the crap out of me. But luckily, you were there, and you said, "Okay, this is what you need to do: do this, this, and this." Then once those things are done, call me back, and I'll help you out again. And I mean that was priceless. Uh, I could not have done that without you. And that's having a team, right? So. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm sure you learned a lot, like through that whole process. You know what to do next time. You're going to be a lot more comfortable. It's it's a good learning experience, right? Like. There's a lot of great contractors out there that you can can trust. You know, you can tell them what you want to do. They'll do it on time. You know, there's guys out there like that. But, I mean, not to knock the whole contractor industry, there's a lot of guys out there that, you know, like to, you know, cut corners, take advantage of people. I I don't like to talk bad. I don't like to talk bad on anybody. But you got to be really careful, really, really, really careful on who you hire. And that's, again, one of the reasons why I – do you know the whole general contract thing myself yeah. um, I like to be in control of you know the whole flip thing like I said I'm not doing most of the stuff but I'm still you know hiring people that I think are capable of doing it properly at first probably like most people it's cost go for the cheapest guy I mean that's a huge mistake which I'm so I'm sure any you know decent real estate investor has, has learned um, never hire the cheapest guy <laughs> I've made that mistake a lot of times. So, uh, Frank, what's next for you? Where are you uh, envisioning yourself going with the... Are you still going to be doing flips full-time? Do you want to get into some other types of investments, or or what do you got planned? A goal that I have probably for the end of this year is to get into us a commercial um, real estate. Doing the, the first part of the due diligence as far as having a commercial investment property Reason is, obviously there's high risk, but high reward as well. I'm not too fond of landlord and tenant board. I've been through, I've been there way, way too many times in the past. I find that it's, um, it's very pro tenant. That's not to say that you yeah. can run residential property successfully and properly, but I've been looking at the commercial side of it. So, long term plan is to get into something um, commercial while doing my flip still for sure. I'm still. I, I don't think I would ever. Um, give up the flipping or, you know, get away from that. 
Okay, so you are working a little more towards some buy and hold type of th- type of things, and then just you know flipping at, at the same time just to keep the cash flow coming in, right? That's that's exactly it. Yeah, that's plan I have for sure. And I know you were telling me that you were sort of looking into uh, hard money lending as well. Yeah, that's another thing I've been um, researching when I get a couple minutes. Um, throughout my day is hard money lending. Yeah, that's something that's appealing. Um, it's just that that's extremely risky business. Um, as far as the research I've done right now, there's there's companies that successfully do it out there. But yeah, that's something I'd be interested in as well. I've also looked into the investing in other businesses as well, startup businesses, yeah. um, things along those lines. But again, it's it's kind of risky at this point. So there's a lot of good things out there. You know, you just got to educate yourself to the max for sure. You were probably at the Landlord Tenant Board too many times because you didn't pick up our free download, the seven freedom activators that you can trigger in your property starting right now. <laughs> yeah, I definitely didn't look into any of that for sure. You don't, you're not hang, holding on to any properties right now, are you? I have a duplex in Whidbey. I have one, which I have um, long-term tenants in there, which has been going pretty well. First, first people that came in, I rented to them, didn't screen. Um, yeah, kind of. I didn't really leave repairs um, for too long. It's just I didn't update the property in general. So, I mean, I, we could probably do another interview of my, you know, my landlord and tenant board um, experience. But yeah, you just <laughs> gotta educate yourself. Like it's it's not as hard as a lot of people think if you if you, if you educate yourself. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's great that you guys have some info, you know, to help out. Um, I guess people that you know just got into a property or have a couple of properties. I'm sure the information you guys have is is super. Is there a quote or a piece of info or advice that's always stuck with you, and how has it helped you out? Um, I actually like a lot of quotes. Um, nothing really sticks out in my mind right now, except for the fact that you got to work hard. You, you, it's it's simple as that. Um, nothing comes easy. You really got to work hard at whatever it is that you're doing. If you're looking for deals, or if that's just your business, if you're a realtor, or if you're a flipper, you just got to work really hard. You know, it's not something that's going to come to you. You're not going to get leads. You're not going to, you know, just hire a per- like a perfect contractor to do stuff. You got to go out there and sweat every day. And if you do do that, what I found is you will be successful. When I first got my realtor's license, a quick quick little story, by chance. So I, I called the highest, pretty much called the highest producer by chance. Um, I'd write at home and. Like he and I've heard this advice from other people as well, specifically from um, some of my family members that have been in the contracting business. They've I've always heard them saying it, but it never really stuck to me um, up until I started doing stuff myself. Uh, you you just really got to work hard at whatever it is that you're doing. Like I said, if you're if you're looking for deals, if you're a wholesaler, if you're a realtor, or if you're a contractor, you just you have to work hard. That's all it is. And what he told me was if, if you really want to be successful, and that's kind of where it just stuck to me. And I was like, whoa, like I'm hearing this way too much. Maybe it's something that I should, uh, should actually listen to and take seriously. Um, he said if you work hard, if, you, if you're really interested in the business, you, you, will, you, know, you will succeed. So my advice would be work really hard <laughs> and you will be successful. That's kind of almost like, almost a guarantee I, I can I can say safely yeah it's pretty close to a Winston Churchill um, quote that says something like consistent effort not intelligence or strength or the keys to success or something like that I think it is 
but it sounds almost like the same uh, the same advice right there. Yeah, there's there's a ton of them out there. I, I love I love all those quotes. The good thing about that too is like finding out what real hard work is because you know if you're looking like you mentioned you called the lead producer yeah. right at home. You know, his idea of working hard is probably a lot different than the mediocre producer there, you know? So it's good to see what the top, you know, right. someone who's a real top producer or top achiever in whatever field it is, if you can see what hard work looks like to them, you know, that's a big difference from what hard work looks like to other people. So I think that's a, a good thing, too, is to, to really reach out to people like that. Yeah, and it's it's the whole thing of exactly what you said now. It's some people don't really know how to work hard. So yeah. when someone tells you, this guy's like, you know, you got to go out there and door knock. I was like, door knock. Were like, really? That's actually, I was like, wow, like door knocking. I never thought, I thought I would just be annoying people. He's like, yeah, you know, nine out of 10 people, you probably will be annoying, but you just got to suck it up and move on. Don't take it personally. Just keep moving. Where can people learn more about you? I have a realtor site, my first and last name, Um If anyone wants to reach me, for whatever reason, they can email me or call me. If I, you want me to um, say that information right now, I can. Um, yeah, sure. Go ahead. And we'll also link to it in our show notes. And anyone who's interested can find it all right there. Yeah, absolutely. If there's any other wholesalers out there um, that have deals, they can definitely contact me. Other than that, there's I'm a realtor, so I don't really need any realtors. <laughs> but, yeah, anyways, they can contact me at... My email is fjaneski at gmail.com. And like Rob just mentioned, I'm sure it'll be in the notes. So I'd be happy to talk with anyone that has any questions about anything. Yeah, and, and so it's, and it's F-I-D-A-N-G-E-N-E-S-K-I dot com. Yeah, dot com. Yep, that's the realtor site. Like I said, it's very basic, but if there's all the information is up there for me. Okay, great. Well, I really do appreciate you coming on tonight. You shared a lot of information with us all, and I'm sure it'll be useful to everybody that's listening. Yeah, totally. Thank and you, you know what? For having me. It'll be uh, very interesting if we did have you back <laughs> to talk about all your landlord tenant board issues. <laughs> yeah, I I could probably have an easy couple shows with that, if not just one. <laughs> and I'm not proud of that in any way. Don't get me wrong. It's just I yeah I I I could tell you guys a lot of stories. <laughs> Well, that, sounds like a good, that sounds like a good show down the road for sure. It's, no, we've all been there a few times. But I, but I appreciate you guys having me on for sure. Well, there isn't anything out there like what you guys are doing. And um, it's, I'm sh- it is very beneficial to any investors at every um, at every stage of the game. So I thank you guys for having the show for, for all of us. Okay. Cool. Well, have a good night. We'll talk to you soon, Frank. Thank you. Okay, guys. Thanks, Frank. See ya. Bye. Thanks, Frank. Bye. All right, so a quick reminder to everyone to leave your questions and comments over at BreakthroughRAIPodcast.ca. Thanks for listening. Get out there and get to it. That's good. Yeah? Yeah. And you were probably at the landlord and tenant board too many times because you didn't read the seven freedom activators that you can trigger in your property starting right now, which is available for free on our website.
So maybe you should uh, pick that up. It's free. <laughs> oh, is he gone? Oh, he's gone. I guess he didn't like my advice. No. 